The Posing Podcast, the industry-leading source for posing, news, interviews, and so much more. Hello, everyone. Um, Welcome back to The Posing Podcast. You are joined by your regular hosts, Caitlin and Beck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, Beck, how have things been going? Pretty crazy. Really good though. Yeah? Yeah. Just getting ready. We've got lots of stuff going on, ramping up for season B, which I'm super excited about, but I'm kind of secretly like enjoying this peace and this cocoon when I'm at home. I'm like, oh no, I have to go into the studio now. Um, how about you? Oh, things are pretty good. Um, still mini cutting. Um, something interesting. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've, you guys will find it interesting. It's interesting to me. I've really gotten into running recently. Um, yeah, I know. I'm a bit of a weirdo because I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm shaking my head for everyone at home. Yeah, I'm not naturally a runner. Um, I don't have nice, long, lean legs. They're little stumpy little things. You um, have nice legs. They're, they're nice muscular legs. They're not running legs. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been running more and enjoying it. Got myself a pair of pink shoes, which is very weird for me because, yeah, I dress in basically all black. Am all I rubbing off on you? Maybe. A little <laughs> bit. The the Beck Cox, Beck William, sorry, Beck William effect. Gwillem. Gwillem. Oh, sorry. I know. Everyone listening, my husband beautifully edits this podcast he's an audio engineer so he will be very mad at you Caitlin for pronouncing his last name it's okay I from the moment Gwillem. that it's Gwillem Gwillem yeah so it's William with a G and I said Gwilliam I yeah think, uh, like, but that's exactly how I said it when I first met him and then I keep <laughs> people would say to me what's your name and I would say that so don't worry yeah I just say Rebecca William with a G and they go okay <laughs> it's like sounds really hipster uh running yeah. Why? I don't know. I've just, well, well, the, I think the real reason is Jack is actually training. Jack, my partner, he's training for a 10K, 10K for his work. So he needs to get fit and he's not as fit as me um, in terms of just like cardiovascular fitness. So I just got started with him and I was like, oh, I actually like this. Um, and I've just been running without him. I've also been reading lots of David Goggins books and I think that's rubbing off on me. <laughs> like every time I, <laughs> yes, every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I should go for run yeah. I don't know well, you, you did inspire me this week yeah because I did attempt to go for a run how did it go it was not really bad I used to run so I used to run 10k a day yeah. to be fair I never lifted weights like my exercise was I'd go for a, a 10k run every day and after the gym I was feeling quite energized and you told me that you went for a run and I was like oh yeah I got this like I can run and if Jack can run I can run <laughs> And so I went to Centennial Park and was like, okay, I got my cap on, you know, fully kitted up, nothing dangling. It was all good to go. And I Nothing dangling. You know, like cords and like tassels off jumpers and stuff. I lasted about 800 metres and then I got a really bad stitch and then I walked for the rest of the four kilometres. So it went really well, if you're asking. Really, (laughs) really really well. well. Uh, Yeah. How long have you been running? What's the distance? Oh, like I only do not nothing significant, like three, four kilometres. That's still – hello. That is four (laughs) times the amount that I can do. I don't know. I've just been getting into it. Um, I don't have any plans. But, yeah, if you – if you see me ever running in Sydney, that's why I'm just weirdly obsessed with it right now. Next minute on our weekly catch-ups, yeah. you'll be like, I'm gonna... oh, I'm, I'm a marathoner now. I've quit bodybuilding. <laughs> you know, I've actually heard that um, bodybuilders can get essentially impact injuries in their feet because they're too heavy. 
Like, so when they run, like if you put on a certain amount of lean muscle, you're essentially too heavy for your own body. Um, Like compared to like somebody who's an endurance athlete. Um, Because you're, you know. You've got more muscle on you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like a normal, I say normal, a a typical human body is not meant to be that muscular. Um, So when you go running, you can develop feet injuries just because you're heavy, basically. Let's hope there's new pink shoes. They are. They are the new pink shoes are very squishy, um, but we're not here to talk about my pink shoes. We have or a very running. yes, we have a very special episode, which is our first ever listener Q and A. Yeah, I'm excited. It's really cool. Thank you so much, everyone who submitted some questions. Um, so I guess we'll just kick off with the first question. Let's do it. Um, and the first question is, how do you combat stage nerves? And I imagine that's for you know stepping on stage, posing, everything like that. Probably for first timers. So, Beck, mm-hmm. do you want to kick, kick yeah. this off? Um, visualization, mm. I think, is massive. And that is going into the show. So, understand that I think as a first timer or even the experienced ones, you just can't control the environment of stage day in terms of what is happening around you. And there's a lot going on. There's lots of loud music, spray tan smells. A lot of competitors usually um, that can tend to kind of psych you out. So those nerves will probably come. And I think no matter what level you are, you will get nervous. So while you can't control that, you can absolutely control what you bring on stage. And I think it goes into um, how you practice. So by visualizing when you are posing or just before, you know, you go and do your quarter turns or your individual routine, visualize yourself you know like wearing the comp bikini looking amazing with the hair whether you have it curled or or straight you know your super dark fake tan picture yourself in the best shape that you've ever been in imagine all the noise and then pose with that visualization and I think that that truly helps combat nerves obviously the most easiest thing is practicing with other people is going to really help because it pushes you out of your comfort zone so making sure that you've got uh, a friend to pose with go to the group classes whether they're free or come to ones at APS um, or you know the the, uh, federation workshops get out of your comfort zone that will also help the nerves Mm, I'm just trying to think of other stuff what do you think um I've got two that I've used and one is well one is the simple fact that you've done all the work already yeah when you step on stage the work is done there is literally no more you can do this is the part where you have fun right you've done everything now it's just about literally going out there and giving it your your best shot you've there's literally no more to give there's almost like yes you're allowed to feel nervous but there's almost no reason to because you've done everything yeah. you can basically. Um, and the other thing that I was actually told by, by somebody was just practice gratitude and like, mm. don't get me wrong. I'm not like into super like hoodoo voodoo, like mindset thinking <laughs> stuff really, but um, I am. I, and like, I'm trying to get into it more, but just the idea of expressing gratitude. You're like, I'm grateful to be here because we are in actually, it's such a privileged sport. Literally yeah. we spend thousands of dollars to stand there in sparkly bikinis. Um, no be vi- like, yo, how's my physique? Yeah. Like <laughs> judge me motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. And we pay people for this stuff. Um, and you know, we're in a world where people don't have these opportunities and going up there being like, I'm so grateful to be here. And it's really, it's really hard to be nervous when you're just, 
feeling grateful, I find at least. Um, so, yeah, that would be probably my next tip. Yeah, I think that they're fantastic tips. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, the next one is actually something we've covered in a previous podcast. So this is what's the criteria for the best posing award? Yes, we covered this in episode two. We went into depth, obviously, uh, we went into depth about the Best Bikini Poser Award, what we look for. But what I look for and what I know the other head judges that helped me with this award look for are honestly an overall package. So that's someone that displays really beautiful stage presence. From the moment that they step on stage, they have basically taken our eye uh, and we are just completely entranced with them as they do their routine so beautiful poise elegance um, a beautiful walk nothing too slow nothing too fast they flawlessly hit their poses and I think their facial expressions and their actual vibe is a really big thing so Mm. what they're oozing out of them is massive because if if they look like they're having the most amazing time and they're just in their zone, I'm going to be there with them. Mm. So that's basically what we look for. And I guess it's that confidence and not being too nervous. Or you can be yeah. nervous inside, but Well, visually. exactly. No, as long as you can – see, this is when it comes down to posing. So if you know that you suffer from bad stage fright or really bad nerves, then pose in a way that makes you feel as confident as you can so that it's not as bad or – learn the facial expressions that you can use that fake confidence because mm. I judges don't understand the difference between what's real and what's fake so in terms of facial expressions if you're smiling but deep down you're shooting yourself which most of us are I'm not <laughs> going to know that I'm gonna be like wow she's having a great time so yeah that's what we look for yeah and this is I guess a bit of a follow-up question to that um separate people but will we be doing a posing award for season b 2024 Oy. so next year I hope so. Me yeah. too. I really hope so. Uh, there's no plans that we're going anywhere. So in terms of you're not going to get rid of us that easy. So I'm that's pretty the plan. sure to say that's the plan. Fingers crossed. Well, I hope so because that's when I'm competing too. Not <laughs> saying that I'm going for the posing award. I don't think I, I could even compete for it because it's... No, I don't think you... Well, I don't if you could, I wouldn't be able to judge it. Yeah, I don't think I'd course, be allowed. Yeah, would just be. I'd be like everyone. Everyone would. Like, everyone um, be like rigged, 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 rigged. Yeah, that's fine. Look, I, I'm. I will give. I will imagine. I get it. Like Unless a, you're just absolutely breathtaking, yes. and then all of the other judges say it, <laughs> then it's okay. Okay, I'll just have to work my little bum off. Um, now this one, Beck. I think it's. I don't know if it's spicy, but like. So the question is. A better poser beats a better body, which Mm -hmm. is our tagline. How much do you actually believe that? A hundred percent. Yeah? Truly a hundred percent because it goes back to the argument. If you cannot show your physique the best way possible, someone else is going to beat you. So I have seen, I will say that I have seen on stage a woman who posed horribly and still won a male that posed not sorry I shouldn't say horribly that's that's rude of me they haven't posed to the best way that they could for their physique so when I usually see someone on stage I know that they've got a great physique under there but they just don't know how to get it out or you know really hit that pose and I have seen them win Mm. I truly have 
but I think it's because their physique has been probably 30% to 50% better than the person who was a better poser. Yeah. So we're not necessarily saying that like if you're, I guess, an amazing poser, but for want of a better word, you suck and there's somebody amazing on stage who is an average poser that you will automatically beat them. Yeah. It's sort of that if it's essentially against two people Mm. who have comparable packages, if you're a better poser, you're going to win. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think, definitely down to those, the the really tough placings. So, you know, first to to fourth and then fourth to eighth. I kind of think of it goes in fours essentially. So first to fourth place, usually, if, if the competition is really hard, um, it's really hard. There's a lot of little things and there's a lot of poses depending on the divisions. So if you don't know how to potentially, like if they're doing a back rear double bicep, mm. if you don't know how to yeah, get your lats out, make your back look good, you know. doesn't matter how good your lats are if you can't put a pop Exactly. Them out. So it goes back to that same argument that I've said once many, many years ago. And then when I opened this business, I, I said, that's going to be our tagline. Yeah. And it stuck. Um, I'll move on to the next question, which is, I think this could be a little contentious. You see it a lot in like the posing industry and everything like that. Um, should you always choose a posing coach who is a pro in your federation, i.e. an IFBB pro for IFBB posing? Oh, I like this question. Yeah. I do. I really like this question. And I like whoever sent it in. I like the fact that you were thinking about you know, who your posing coach is. I like that and wanting to know their background. Do I think they need to be a pro in that federation? Absolutely not. Mm. Remember there was um, someone once said to me, I heard someone rubbish somebody else, basically saying that does your coach have their own studio? Does your coach have a full-time job in this industry? Because if they aren't full-time in it and if they don't have a studio, does that that makes them a bad coach. And my answer, I went, absolutely not. It's not at our discretion to decide what they do. And a coach is very different to an athlete. So I wouldn't be so controversial and say, you know, that coaches are a special human being and they not, well, how do I say this? Not all athletes can be coaches at Mm. all. And I think that in most part, probably 5% of actual athletes could be a really good coach because and when you look at the really good coaches whether that's fit you know training and fitness whether that's any any type of coach a swimming coach um they're not necessarily the best of the best at that you know that they were in that given time they're a really good coach they know how to direct people they know how to push an athlete um and help their mindset so there's a lot of coaching so i think if you are looking for a posing coach my best advice is probably look at their testimonials. I think look at their results, see where they came from, how much they are involved in the sport. That's a big one. Mm. How much they're up to date with the rules and the regulations, their willingness to learn, their passion and the environment they create for their athletes or for their clients. Everyone has to start somewhere and I love new posing coaches that are coming into the scene. I truly love it because it means that I can hire them and then I can go and sit margaritas on a tropical <laughs> island. <laughs> That's the dream. But I um But you know, yeah. I definitely think that I'm not a I teach WBFF, right? Mm. I'm not a WBFF pro. 
and I've taught it for four years now. And you've taught two girls who became pros. One. Maybe more than two. two four. No, five. Five. That got their pro card? They got their pro card last year. So I've taught those and I've taught multiple winners, second places, third places. I I truly doesn't think – to be fair, I have a dancing background, so I think that's why it helps. I think the the only one thing that you should be cautious of is if they are – if they have only competed once – You've just got to be a little bit wary. I'm not saying don't go to them, but just be a little bit wary because of even when I know when I did my first show, there is no way that I was then ready to be a coach and specialized in that industry to take money from someone because I didn't know it all. I'd only competed once. I only had had one experience. So I think it's if someone's very new to the industry, just be wary of that and just just see you know it's great go go give them a try see how they go Mm. and I think posing coaching is you know a specialty skill and I think not everyone has that skill like um you know I can think of a posing coach in particular um who I think she's always had the eye she's always been amazing you know and she's only just starting um and and yet you also see posing coaches that just make it on their name because they're a pro um but being a, like you said, being a coach is a skill set just because you're a pro in a sport, but just because you're an athlete doesn't necessarily translate to the skills needed to coach posing mm-hmm. and to have the eye. They're not one and the same. They can be, mm. but it's not, I don't think it's a guarantee. No. And I've had me myself personally, I've had, um, I've been taught by IFBB pros, like real, like Olympians and I learned, <laughs> I learned more from Amy Fox. Yeah. Sorry, I was chuckling because I, I know what your experience was like with them. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I learned more from Amy Fox. So I th- I just think definitely being pro doesn't make automatically make you a really good coach. But then on the same token, not having a pro title doesn't mean you can't be a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Okay. I will move on to the next one, which I think is another interesting question, sort of more about competing, which is and I, I feel like I've got a pretty strong opinion about this. Is it a better experience to compete as an amateur or a pro? And I think it's better to compete as an amateur mm. because you there's more shows available. Yeah. Um, you know, you have more competitors. That, you know, you can basically drive locally mm. to pretty much any, any show and compete. Well, if you're a pro, you might, I don't know, prep for 20 weeks and have to fly to the US and do one show and that's it, you're done. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah, I always say when when you're an amateur, and excuse my terminology, but you can kind of like slut yourself around. <laughs> you know, you can kind of try before you buy. Yeah. Go and see where you fit in all of those different federations. And the federations, to be really honest, when you're an amateur, while they like loyalty – don't get me wrong. All federations like loyalty. They will, they love athletes that keep coming back over and over and over again. The chances of them actually really knowing if you've competed in other federations, unless you're one of the the main, you know, like you've come first, second, or third. Mm. The chances of them knowing that you're trying other federations is probably pretty small. So when you're an amateur, go and try them all out. Because you will get to a point where you, hopefully, if you stay in the industry, you will win your pro card. And then from there, you do have to stay loyal. 
and your options are so like are so much more limited when you're a pro mm-hmm. so it's like enjoy that amateur experience like I know like just take the time like me personally to enjoy the amateur experience enjoy competing a lot because yeah if you if you're blessed to become a pro then that kind of yeah dries up pretty quick or like then suddenly you have to work to a whole new level a whole new level oh my god the pressure that's what I really felt is the Mm. pressure that once I won my pro card it was like the pressure to always do well then to always win and to beat the package that I did previously Mm. and it was interesting because I did get that feedback after I did um amateur olympia all my friends and family and like people in different industries that aren't in this world because they were so used to my responses from the natural olympia where I won they're like oh how'd you go like did you win I was like no they're like oh oh well we only said that because of last time you know it's just human nature yeah so I think that definitely um while you're an amateur stay in it until you work up to a pro and you'll find the federation that you like but it's more rewarding being an amateur yeah i think so too well i think this is actually and it's not so competitive like i know that sounds terrible like it's not so um political Mm. you know in terms of making sure that you're you're knowing the boxes and doing all that stuff that comes with and all federations let's be honest are like that so it's yeah when you step up to that pro it's just that whole different level yeah, I even I'm even thinking about like some of our newest pros and like um, I was having a chat with one um, backstage at IFBB and she was talking about how you know to be good as an IFBB pro you have to almost have to have a name and so she was her and her coach had been strategizing to basically do some um, shows across like the Asia Pacific kind of region in order to build up her name so it's not necessarily any more whether about like you're just the best person who showed up on the day when, like you said, when you become a pro, it kind of gets a bit political. Yeah. And then you're just dealing with a whole nother level of hoi boy. <laughs> yeah. And then it just, then it just keeps going. Yeah. That being amateur is fun. Um, but I guess this is a pretty good question to follow on because you were just talking about losing, which is how do you cope with losing? <sighs> do you want me to start this one? Yeah. Because at ICN I sucked I sucked balls at ICN yeah um sorry I'm not agreeing with you (laughs) I I did and that's okay I like I own that experience that I sucked balls when I competed at ICN um and you know there is no doubt about it when you lose Mm -hmm. it will hurt yeah um and you don't know like you may know I like you you're going to lose because you look at the competitors around you and you, you go oh Jesus yep yeah, there's no that's way that's what I did at Amateur Limpher. I was like oh they're big girls yeah oh they're real big girls yeah so you'll you you might look around and you go look there's no way um and you might have that pre-warning or you might step on stage and just be disappointed either way it sucks but you know you are entering into this sport willingly it is a competition and you need to act with grace Mm. and dignity um you know there is no point you know taking it out on fellow competitors the judges Mm -hmm. the federations blasting it on social media your family and your friends have probably all told you you look amazing and sometimes that deludes people and they think oh therefore i must be amazing therefore the judging is wrong I'm sorry, everyone's family is going to tell you you look amazing. I love armchair judges. Yeah. Everyone is going to tell you you look amazing. At the end of the day, 
the best way to cope with losing is to use it like use that fire use that slap in the face you just got and absolutely bring it for your next show um it's why i really encourage my own clients to do more than two shows like more than one show but at least two because let's say things don't work out and they get a slap in the face in the first one god forbid they don't you know hopefully they stuck to the plan and we look good um but you know if the worst case scenario if they do have to do a second show they've had that fire lit under them yeah. and they can use that to absolutely give it their all at the yeah. next show yeah. yeah that's how I would, co- I would cope with losing what about yeah. you i think might go out on a limb and say I think it's kind of easier to come back after losing Mm. going into another show than coming off winning Mm. going into another show because the expectation because of the expectation Uh, but that could because you know maybe I care about what people think of me more Um, deal with losing I think it's one of those things that you're only they, there's that famous quote whereas you're only as ever you're only as good as your last fill in blank mm. so I think you're only ever as good as your last show and as long as you can don't completely throw in the towel yeah so there's a very there's a very big difference between losing and quitting and I think that that's the most important thing to realize when you are an athlete is that you are gonna lose more times than you are going to win hands down there's only one winner you know chances are there's probably 200 women that lose on that day as well so you're not the only one that's lost but it's whether you decide to lose or whether you decide to quit that's on you like it is yeah so let's go okay i'm gonna lose i'm gonna get back up dust my little freaking stuff off and i'm gonna my sparkles my (laughs) gonna scrub my fake tan off get more more tan. tan and I'm going to give it a go again yeah and I'm going to give it a go again and I'm going to get feedback and I'm going to keep working and working what do they want what do they want you might never get there because stuff will happen life will get in the way but you hear so many times that so many athletes they win oh, sorry they lose 15 shows before they even get into top three mm. or more than that so if you truly 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 want to do well in this sport and you want to be a professional in this sport you will lose just don't quit and it's all about like I think so many people get into bodybuilding to win when the reality is like it's more about the process like there is it's such a process driven sport yeah everyone wants to win it's a competition um but you know if you're able to enjoy the process more and focus more on the process then if you know you stepped on the stage giving it your all you can't lose like whether or not you get a medal is a different question, but you can't lose if you gave it your all. Literally, that is everything you have you have given. Yeah. Yeah. Winner in my that. eyes. I love that. Um, I'll move on to the next question, which is how much does your stage look, bikini, tan, jewelry, etc., influence the outcome? Massive. It's a part of the judging criteria. Mm. So uh, every federation is different in terms of what they do. I know um, – was it only last week we were talking about WBFF and like marketability, which is that, mm. is 40%. Oh, no, th- sorry, 20% is on um, stage presence and things like that. So, But it goes into the, the marketability as well. And then when it comes down to the other federations, they some of their websites, they do split it up. But I would say 
on, you know, like a, if I were to talk about 100%, like 30%. Yeah, I think, you know... I would go to 30 to 40. Like, it can definitely either enhance or detract Mm. from your physique. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not everything, but it's sure a fair bit. It's massive. Little things. Hey, uh, if you're you're too hard... Yeah. You know, soften up your hair. Like, in terms of if you're too hard, don't have straight hair. Don't have straight black hair, black bikini. You're going to look really hard. Soften it up. Put a bright colour on. Get some curls in that hair. Um, or vice versa, if you are a bit softer, straight hair, Spe- you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Speaking of hair, um, there's one thing that always, not drives me nuts, that's too strong, but um, uh, one thing I always dislike, and I, it was because I saw it on myself, which is when you have hair that is almost the same color as your tan. Um, it's And you'll see when, when I competed, I like dyed my hair like basically like twice as dark because – my hair basically blended into my tan. It was like all the same color. And I think that makes a big difference. Like if you, 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 that's why you see so many blondes and so many like dark, dark yes. brunettes on stage because it just looks so much striking, much more striking against the tan. Yeah, that's that nice difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's a, it's a, especially for the divisions such as bikini wellness, your beauty is judged. So you know how your overall flow and stage presence is. And at the end of the day, they're all looking for brand ambassadors. Mm. So they're all looking for someone to put on their posters. They're all looking for someone to put on their Instagram. And so how you present yourself, how well your makeup is done, how beautiful your tan is, so no patchy, your hair's nice and groomed, you don't look disheveled, your bikini is a nice bikini. It's not, you know, you've worn it five times and it's white, so it's actually orange. <laughs> you know, lots of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just that level of self I don't know, care that they they like to see someone that just looks absolutely stunning. No toilet seat marks in your tan, please. No, please no. No dribble lines. Oh dear, yeah. No, I thankfully I escaped the toilet seat lines. Yeah, but to the the short answer to that question yeah. is it's absolutely scored and marked upon. Yeah, with the judging, so it matters. Um. So they say, it's the next question, um, they say your likelihood of winning is based on, in quotation marks, who turns up on the day. Yes. How much is that true? 100%. I think, like, it depends. Like, you could bring Wait, something. repeat the question. They say your likelihood of winning is based on, like, who turns up on the day. So whether you'll win, lose, play second or third is just yeah. purely based on who shows it's up. it's competition, right? Yeah. But I guess, you know, to a certain degree, if you, like, nailed it, then like if you're unbeatable, touch wood, then doesn't matter who shows up, right? In theory. Oh yeah, totally. But yeah, I think it's um it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that like, oh, you know, I want to place first. I want to place mm. and the thing is that that can't be controlled. Literally you could do everything and it can't be Yeah. Yeah. And you can't you can only do the best that you can do. And I know that's so like, oh, cliche and lovey-dovey, but it is true. There could be this little dark horse that you've never met, that's never come to posing class, that's never been to any of the workshops, that doesn't have social media. She turns up, she takes it all home because, you know, and this is for, for most of the other federations, not WBFF. She just clears the table because she's got the best physique and, mm. She beats you in the shoulders, in the glutes, in the hamstrings, everything. Yeah. You can't do anything with that. 
But I think if you, the only way with that is that you just have to control, go into it with the best mindset possible as obviously you want to do your absolute best and we all want to bloody win. But you can't control it. Yeah. And it is just when I won, when you came second, you were the second best of that day. Mm. It's just whoever's there. And then the, the, the very next day as well, who knows what it, who would have turned up or what condition you, you – you might have come first the second day. Yeah, it's like that. that's such a fascinating idea that, you know, because it's such a variable sport that literally, yeah, the same lineup on a different day, mm. entirely different placings. Entirely different. Yeah, just picking methods, yeah. fatigue, all of that kind of stuff. All of that, if they decided to go into those post-show donuts a little hard, <laughs> all that. Um, and the last question, and it must be because they were listening to our podcast, because um, I think they're quoting us. What are, you, what are our biggest posing icks? <laughs> oh, gosh, where do I start? Um, the biggest, I think the biggest posing ick at the moment, oh, Lord, mm-hmm. is copying a pro's routine. Really? That's what gives you that's the ick? My, that's my biggest, like where I'm like, that's, because that's an ick, right? Yeah. Where it's like, is when I, it's a perfect example, Maureen won Olympia. Yeah. The amount of women that have, I like literally done Maureen's routine that I've seen, I just, With I the go, like, Ugh. what did she do? She like kind of looks to the side and like goes like that or something. Like yeah, that she hand. does this. And, um, the wellness woman who does the big hand up like an elephant yeah. um, trunk, like <laughs> <laughs> seriously, they do this. And I'm like the only person who can get away with doing that elephant trunk is the woman who did it on Olympia stage. I am so sorry, girlfriend, but I I actually had one of my clients in here, Jessalyn, if she's, if she's listening, uh, she did it when she first came in here. I was like, Always ask yourself, what is the purpose of this pose? Like, what are you doing with your arm? I and I was like, elephant. are you thirsty with the, and you're an <laughs> elephant? She was like, oh, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing it. I was like, remember, wellness is all about the lower body. So you're distracting me from your lower body by doing that arm. Mm. Um, but it works on some people. So I think that's my biggest ick yeah. is when I see routines that are done, Tessa's spin perfect example yeah. so Tess was one of my clients who competed in WBFF she won her WBFF uh, pro cup and we choreographed a double spin at the end of her routine and I feel like it was the only person who had really done a spin mm. it, it was eye-catching her. in in a routine yeah a double spin at least for a very long time and then after that we definitely set a trend I feel like test set a trend posing coaches were teaching the spins at the end everyone that came to me I want to do a spin like tested I was like no that's boring I've done that it's mm-hmm. been done let's do something different so I think that's my biggest ick is when copying copying same thing with coaches don't settle for a one-size-fits-all formula like in terms of generic routines because yeah. no matter what they are even IFBB which out of all of the federations, IFBB has the most basic um, – well, sorry, probably has the less freedom when yeah. it comes to doing posing. I think that's the best way to put it. You can absolutely still make it your own and you do not have to do emu arms or weird hair flicks or Jen Dory. Yeah, that, the Jen Dory curl hair flick. Yeah. You can make it your own. 
and have the courage or hire someone to make one for you. And if they're not, then there's something wrong. I Yeah, and the whole reason why those routines become popular is because they were unique and special. Newsflash, make your own unique, mm-hmm. special routine. Except Otherwise, don't do a flamingo. <laughs> we have a thing against flamingo arms or like flamingo legs where you stand on one leg. Um, I think my biggest posing ick is when you see the girls standing on stage, either on the sidelines or usually second call outs because they're disappointed and they don't smile. Oh, because they're mad. They're mad. They're real mad. They look angry. (laughs) And you're watching them and you're like, dude, you worked your ass off for six months and you look unhappy as all fuck. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and also as a judge, you can see that. Like the judges can see your face. They're looking at you and then their face is like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, and that's so sad. That's it's just bitter. It's just bad sportsmanship. Yeah, bad sportsmanship. It's bitter. It's like, you know, it's bad presentation. It's being a bad athlete. Like, you know, it's being ungrateful. If anything, you've paid a lot of money for the photo um, package. Yeah. So I'd be up there working the smiles, looking for the cameraman that I paid $500 to. Like, yeah, get this angle. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't come top six, but get this angle. And how about yeah. this? <laughs> and remember, there's always the posing award and you don't yeah. have to be like top six. You can yeah. be second call outs, third yeah. call outs. And other federations are doing the posing award too. Yeah. So it goes to show. Yeah. And mm. you don't have to, you know. Just for God's sake, awesome. smile. Yeah, your like, friends and family it. are there usually most of the time or at least your coach or hopefully you have some supporter there. They don't want to see you miserable. Yeah. And because like, the chances are they will be so proud of you because they love you. They don't care what you come. They truly love you. And be really happy, I think, with that placing because as much as everyone, you know, judging def- different federations, sometimes we don't understand that who comes first and why they come first but at the end of the day that's what you placed you cannot change that so just be happy with it and move on it kind of relates back to that question about coping with losing yeah which really does just you know enjoy it you worked your bum off also please smile um well that ends the our listener questions so i'm just gonna do one final question for us which is beck what is one thing you want to achieve this week Personally, business-wise, cleaning your house, doing your laundry, whatever you like. One thing that I want to achieve this week, business-wise, mm. is welcoming the Season B team. Mm. Why are you whispering? I don't know because <laughs> I'm nervous. Because then when, as I was saying that really slowly, I realized how much work I still have to do to onboard them all um no that's something that I'm really excited for and then we have massive things happening here in the studio for the posing school I probably just want to get through the next week (laughs) in one piece (laughs) in one piece because they're big days so I'm it's a very exciting thing can't tell you what's happening it's coming soon very 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 big 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 days so and and often when I'm in those big days I want them to just get get it done mm. but I've, they're really amazing once in a lifetime days so I want to soak them in and just be present I think throughout them and be present with the new athletes that are about to get their ass kicked amazing yeah what about you um, what's one thing you want to do one thing I want to do um personal business not eat licorice or dried food <laughs> <laughs> I will 
I want to go for a run, I oh, think, over the weekend. Four case. Yeah, maybe I'll push it to five. I don't know, take these pink shoes for a spin. <laughs> um, and then I think also just I've actually been really good at reading lately. I, I said, I've been really good at reading. I used to be a huge bookworm when I was a kid and um, and dev- used to devour books. And then when I got into my career in my early 20s, I stopped. And just recently, I've been really, really getting back into it. And I'm not a big audio books person. I like sitting down and reading a book. And so I think one thing I want to achieve this week is just read some more. I've been in a really good sort of like, you know, uh, habit with it lady lately. So I just want to keep it up. I love that. Yeah. What are you reading? Um, well, I just finished David Goggins second book. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sorry. I've just been on a David Goggins okay. train. I've been listening. And then what's the third? Does he have a third one? Yeah. So I finished his two books and then I'm actually reading a psychology book right now. Ooh. Um, called it's called act in sport and act stands for accept um, acceptance and commitment therapy yeah it's a psychology book um but you know how there's no there's like cbt therapy cognitive behavioral therapy which is all about changing your changing your perception and changing you know uh, like helping you work through certain experiences um act is kind of the opposite and it's a bit more suited for sport because it's more about learning to accept and get through situations not without like with not changing your thoughts so like if you're like ah let's say you're a soccer player ah frick you know I did such a bad job I didn't kick the ball and like I did made a huge mess out of it it's learning to get through those thoughts not without necessarily changing changing it but just learning to accept what happened and I'm reading it for myself I'm reading it for my clients um because they will all go through challenges that sometimes you just need to accept and move through and no amount of changing your thinking is going to help. I yeah. love that. But That's anyway. really cool. Something different to think about too. Yeah. Give you a break from, from old David, mate. No, David Goggins. <laughs> I love it. That's it. Great podcast. Love this. Yeah. Thank you so much everyone who has submitted questions. If you do have any more questions, just feel free to DM us and I will probably add them to the list for our next Q&A. Yeah, I love it. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. It means a lot. It really helps with um, please with the algorithm. It's sugar on top. Yes. And take a screenshot, share it on your socials, tag us, tell your mum, tell your brother, tell your, your best friend's dog. Um, we would love to get more listeners and we hope you have a wonderful day. That's it. Bye.